We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. Part of living in a fallen world is dealing with pain. When the storms of life strike, whether it's cancer, divorce, a miscarriage, relentless suffering, do you ever wonder, how can this be good? Sometimes we allow our culture of ease to shape our thinking, rather than allowing God to define what is good. Psalm 119.68 says, You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. God by nature is good, and he can only do and give what he is. Joining us today are Rob and Heidi Fuller. Rob serves as the music director at Calvary Baptist Church in Derby, Kansas. He and his wife, Heidi, who is also a tremendous asset in the music ministry, have five children. Their journey in building a family was marked with many deep heartaches and tremendous joys. We are confident their testimony will remind all of us not to lose heart. God's goodness never ends. Rob and Heidi, welcome to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. Thank you. Thank you. We're so excited to have you two with us today. Tell us a little about yourselves. Yeah, you gave us the overview there. My husband is the music pastor at Calvary Baptist. I um, am a teacher at Sunrise Christian Academy and a mom of five. I, uh, I served as the music pastor along with other pastoral ministries uh, there at the church. I've served at, at our church for 12 years now, almost 12 years, and uh, we're an exciting point in our in our time at the church and don't foresee moving on, so uh, we're, we're long-termers. <laughs> Rob and Heidi, you are part of Forever Be Sure Music Ministry, which has been a blessing to thousands. We appreciate the conservative, Christ-honoring, Bible-based music this ministry puts out. Many of the songs you've composed have greatly encouraged us in our times of need. One of our personal favorites is Give Me Eyes That See. How did that song originate? Yeah, I was um, born extremely nearsighted. i legally blind, actually. And um, by the time I was two, my mom knew something was wrong. And so they were able to get me um, glasses. And they were the, not the cute ones they have today, but the, the big, thick Coke bottle glasses. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was able to see. And then by the time I was five, they had me in contacts already. And so by the time I started kindergarten, I was, I was wearing those. And um, when I was seven, I had, I had sort of complained to my mom about seeing some funny things and floaters and flashes. And, but I was seven and we didn't take it real seriously until one day she was just randomly checking my vision and we realized that I couldn't see anything out of my right eye. And, um, so we rushed to the emergency room and they found that my retina had completely detached inside the eye. And, um, so it required major surgery. It was about a month long recovery, but I did regain a portion of the site after, after that whole ordeal was done. 
And um, they didn't really know why it happened. It wasn't like an injury or anything. But about a year later, the same thing happened in my other eye. And long story short, in the la- in my whole life, this pattern has kind of just continued to repeat itself. Mm-hmm. I've to date had probably about um, 20 surgeries or more. I lost count somewhere along the line. But all for detached retinas or for complications that surrounded the detached retina surgeries. And so throughout my life, it's been a process of kind of knowing that more problems um, could come and understanding the reality that I could lose my sight completely and I could have to live a life of blindness and the fears that have come with that, the insecurities about my future. Um, I did end up losing my sight completely in my right eye eventually when I was 16. Um, But I've always known that other things can happen with my left eye. And so in the midst of all that, in the low times, um, the prayer of my heart just really became that I would see maybe not with my physical eyes because maybe healing wasn't going to be the answer that God was going to give me. Um, but that he would give me eyes that would see his goodness through it. And so the song you referenced there, give me eyes that see the chorus, uh, just really has become the prayer of my heart, uh, that God would give me eyes that see his goodness in the plan he made for me eyes that would see his love that kept him on Calvary's tree and eyes that would see his power to live triumphantly. uh, Even if he doesn't grant healing. Mm, I love that. And for those of us with disabilities, sometimes we're tempted to wonder if God can really use us. Sometimes we, we just think how can any good come out of weakness? So with your impairment, how would you say that's shaped you and your family? Have you seen good come out of it? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I believe with all my heart that God does everything in my life for a good purpose, (laughs) but often it doesn't look good, you know, on this side of eternity. I've definitely seen ways he has shaped me in my character. Um, He has, I feel like this last year I've, I've been struggling with some eye problems. I just actually had surgery about two weeks ago. Um, and so I, throughout this last year, I feel like he's been teaching me a lot about what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. And that concept has just come alive for me really as, um, you know, as I'm walking maybe into a situation where I can't see and I'm, I'm clinging to the hand of my husband to kind of lead me. It's kind of been replaying in my mind that this is what it means to walk by faith Mm -hmm. and not by sight, that this is what God wants. This is what he wants me to do with him. Um, I can think of, of other times, um, my natural tendencies in life are very type A (laughs) to not be still, uh, to be a doer, to accomplish things, to keep moving. And in many ways, my eye problems have slowed me down and they have been a hindrance, but I have recognized that that has been good, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that it has been good for God sometimes to slow me down and just say, I need you to rest. I don't need you to be in charge of everything. I just want you to to wait on the Lord. So in a lot of ways, I think 
he has protected me from myself um, in giving me something that forces me to slow down. And I also think, um, so throughout my life, the eye problems have been physical, but they also have become cosmetic so that my eyes don't focus together. So often I'll have an eye that's wandering and I don't have any control over that. And I've become, you know, very self-conscious about that over the years, about feeling like I just, I look different. You know, people don't know where to look when they're talking to me. Um, But even in those times of when I'm crying out to God for relief, I feel like he's given me a real focus on uh, what's beautiful to him. And, um, you know, as I read in first Peter that it's a gentle and a quiet spirit, that's what he considers beautiful. It's feet that share the good news. That's what's beautiful to him. And so he's kind of just given me some real life examples, um, to kind of keep my attention and my focus back on him. Do you believe your physical challenges have impacted your family or anybody around you? They have impacted, but the thing is, is uh, Heidi is an incredibly driven uh, lady, mm-hmm. and even though she has a uh, a disability, something that that holds her back a little bit, um, she doesn't let those things totally stop her. She'll find another way around it. She'll figure out some way to keep going. You know, um, she's a she's a really good interior decorator mm-hmm. and without and you know, visual things are where she struggles. And yet she is, she has found ways to, to still work around it. And she, our how home is beautiful. She does a great job um, at it. So uh, it makes things more difficult, but it's, it's not something that she lets uh, rule or dictate her life. And, and so the rest of us get the benefit of that strength. And so uh, it it does affect the rest of us, but I think that in some ways it affects us for the better and not so much for the worse. And the Lord has really been good in that she is, um, um, it, it's not like a total impairment. She's not completely blind in both eyes. And, you know, that would be a different story. Right. So I'd say that, that it does affect us. But it's it's been a, a good thing for our family. Oh, praise the Lord. Speaking of your family, God has given you five children, each of them given in remarkable ways. Children are truly a blessing from the Lord, but we know the road for you getting there wasn't entirely easy. Would you take us on that journey? How did it all start? Yeah, that, um, in fact, if we talk about physical disabilities, I, I would say that this is probably been the greater struggle in my life than, um, than my eye problems. You know, I mentioned being driven and, and type A. And I think that when Rob and I were dating, we kind of had a plan for life all laid out on the way things were going to happen for us. And then life happens and it doesn't go as you plan. And so we had tried for a number of years to have a baby and it just wasn't happening. And we would go to doctors and fertility clinics and they just weren't really giving us a whole lot of answers it was just in the end it was always unexplained and so I remember very distinctly uh, the day that things changed for me on that path we'd been 
praying and trying for two to three years to have a baby. And I was sitting in church one Sunday morning and the preacher was, was talking about submission to God's plans. And I don't remember the passage he spoke out of, and I don't even really remember anything specific that he said, but I remember the conviction of the Holy spirit, just feeling like I have not submitted. I haven't really even considered uh, God's plan for my life. It's, it's all been about my plan. And so I haven't been the type of person that goes forward on invitations, you know, on a regular basis. But this was one of those days I was just under such great conviction. And and specifically what it was is um, Rob had been mentioning from time to time, I think we should just look into adoption. And I was really resistant to that. It just, it wasn't my plan. It wasn't what I wanted for my life. It, it was extra time, extra money, extra effort, and it just wasn't what I wanted. And so that was the specific area that God was really convicting me about. And so I went forward that Sunday, and I, I just remember crying and praying to God and confessing and repenting that I submit this area of my life to you. And if you want us to adopt, I will open that door for you. I will give you that chance. Now, in my mind, I think there was maybe a part of me that thought, now that I've surrendered this to him, he'll give me what I want, which is a pregnancy. Um, But within weeks of us contacting an adoption agency and even just, just starting the process, we got a call that we'd been matched with a baby. And God moved so clearly and so directly that I feel like before I even had time to process what was going on, we had a baby. (laughs) And I look back now and I see how perfectly he crafted the whole situation. I mean, it was a beautiful situation. We were, we were matched with this birth mom that chose us and then created a plan for us to be in the delivery room for our son to be handed to us, for Rob to cut the umbilical cord and for us you know, to basically leave the hospital with this perfect, healthy baby. And uh, we haven't had any contact with her since she had just, this was her plan. It's the way she had kind of crafted it all. And so that was our firstborn. And God, I think very graciously gave us that situation, knowing our personalities, (laughs) knowing who we were, knowing that we kind of needed something really direct. We needed to be this was my plan. (laughs) And that's exactly how I felt after um, our first son was born. And so his name is Griffin. He is 13 now. And it was almost like after we had him, we realized how good of a plan that God had come up with. And we were both very quickly on board to adopt again. And so we started the process a second time. And that was, Um, there's many, many pieces that go into that story, but in the end, we got a phone call on a Saturday morning that there was a baby boy that had been born in Tennessee. And if we wanted him, he was ours. And so, uh, our second son Reese was born two and a half years later. And again, we went to the hospital and we picked him up and we brought him home directly from the hospital and he is now 10. And so they have been a tremendous blessing to our life. And 
after Reese was born, we thought our family was complete. We thought, you know, this is what God had for us. It was a good plan. We are happy with this plan and it's done. And we would even sometimes joke with each other and with other people that unless God chooses to drop $20,000 into our lap, then our family is complete because we could probably never afford to adopt again. Right. And then, then one day that's exactly what he did. <laughs> and it's just like God. I mean, it's just like him to do that. But <laughs> we filed our taxes in 2011. And at that time, President Obama had passed some legislation that people who had adopted during a certain period of time qualified for certain adoption expenses to be refunded to them. And we qualified for both of our adoptions. And so we, we literally got this unexpected check in the mail for over $20,000. And so we prayed about it, but we both felt very strongly that that was why God had given it to us. He really wanted us to adopt a third time. And so we were kind of on this mountaintop of emotions because God had again worked so directly and so clearly in our life. And, you know, we announced publicly to our church that here's what God is doing in our life. And we're on this third, this third journey. And would you pray with us that, that God would just bring the right child into our life and just kind of expected him to work the same way that he had before that he would just, quickly and miraculously bring a third child into our life. And that was not his plan the third time around. And um, I would say from, it was about August of 2011 to August of 2013 were probably the darkest months of our entire life because rather than do what we thought he was going to do, he said no to 14 babies during that time. And we would would get calls. We would get calls regularly about children in need of homes and instantly our hearts would bond with them and we would think about them in our home and our family and we would make plans for them to come to our home. Uh, We would dream about their future and just time after time after time, these situations would fall through and they were all for different reasons. Um, Sometimes the birth mom would just change her mind. She would just decide in the end to keep the baby. Um, There were other times where at the last minute she would choose a different family. And so there was this great aspect of rejection, you know, that they don't want us. There's something about us that they, they don't want us to parent their, their child. Um, during that time, I, I felt very alone. Um, there are some trials in life that are common and people can understand and relate to, but I kind of felt like adoption failures weren't really a common trial. And so I started probably to believe the lies of the devil (laughs) that nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands this pain. They don't, they don't understand me. And so there was a lot of loneliness during that time. And then, um, God did start to answer very specific desires of my heart. Um, I remember there was a time that I just 
believed so strongly that God could do something mighty. And so I had come up with this list of specific prayer requests that I was going to pray regarding this adoption. And one of the things on my list was twin girls. We had two boys. I thought God could give us one. That would be easy for him. But but could he give us two? Like that would be, that would be amazing. And we already have boys, so let's go for girls. And so I have very specifically (laughs) been praying that God would give us twin girls. And then we got a call about twin girls. And I just felt like, see, he's he's working mightily. He's answering this prayer. Um, But they ended up being born very premature. And within a short time of their birth, each one of them died. Mm -hmm. And I was just devastated. And I just felt like, why would God answer that request only to take it away? It just, it seemed so cruel. And then it was just weeks after that, that we were matched with another baby. Um, It was a, a baby girl born down in Texas. She was about 10 days old. And in her specific situation, I had been praying that God would give us an adoption that was under $10,000. We had other things we could have used the money that he'd given us for, and I knew he could. And so I had been praying that he would give us an adoption that was that didn't take all the money. Well, we were matched with this baby girl down in Texas. And she was born around Thanksgiving, and we were supposed to be picking her up right around Christmas and New Year's. And so we canceled all our holiday plans, and we loaded up our car, and we drove eight and a half hours down to Houston to go and pick her up. And when we got there, um, once again, another nightmare basically unfolded. And in the end, um, we were scammed out of $11,000 that we would never get back. And again, I just felt, God, this is so cruel. You're taking these requests, you're taking these desires of my heart, and you're you're loudly shouting no um, through these different situations. And then right kind of in the middle of all of this stuff that was going on, after we had been married for 10 years, I one day found out I was pregnant. And I was just, I was shocked. It wasn't what we were planning or expecting, not the way we thought God would work. And, um, but I was really excited. And I thought, you know, God just wanted my surrender to his plans. And this is what he had for me. This was the good plan. And um, so here we were in our minds making plans for the exciting way we were going to announce this to our family and to our friends and making, making plans again. And in the middle of, of all of that, I miscarried. And at that time, I just was so angry with God. I, I can just so vividly remember laying on the bathroom floor, just screaming at him and just saying, how could you, how could you, you, everything I have believed about you up to this point in my life, everything in my theology clashes with my reality. Mm -hmm. You say that you're good and yet you're being so cruel to me. You're just, you're just being mean and vicious, taking the desires of my heart and just playing with them. You know, you, you said you were on my side. You say in your word, you're for me. And yet 
I'm watching you take um, our our money and give it to to people who are dishonest, who are not following you. It was kind of the why do the righteous suffer? Why do the wicked prosper? Why are they the ones winning here? And so I just had all these questions about God. And in the midst of all of that, he led us through another variety of circumstances to something we had never heard about before, and that was um, embryo adoption. And so I, you know, kind of reluctantly looked into it. It sounded kind of crazy at first. We didn't, we didn't know what it was, but the more we researched it, the more intriguing it became. And for maybe any of your listeners that aren't familiar with embryo adoption, um, it's families that have maybe gone through in vitro, but they have remaining embryos, created embryos, not the separate parts, but created lives. They have um, them and they're, they're usually frozen and kept in storage. But um, often the question will arise for them, well, what do we do with the remaining embryos? And most often uh, they're destroyed. And so we had been presented from uh, uh, several different people, actually, Christians in our lives, who said, do you know that, that you can adopt these frozen embryos and they transfer them to you and you can carry them? Well, that was intriguing and exciting. And so we were put in touch with an organization down in Knoxville, Tennessee, called the National Embryo Donation Center. And as we looked into that, God really started opening doors. And we started to see him kind of pave the way. And again, this was after two years of going through adoption failures, of going through the miscarriage. And finally, we're two years <laughs> into this and we're presented with embryo adoption. Um, but then God started to open these doors. And we, we went through the first cycle where we had adopted a set of embryos and we went down and they transferred them to my body and I miscarried that first set. And so again, there were all the questions of God, why would you lead us down this path only again to have it fall through? And by this point in my life, um, we had of the 20,000, we only had about $4,500 left because the rest had either been lost to failed adoptions or to our first attempt at embryo adoption. And so we only had $4,500 left and we only had a short time left on our adoption home study. And so we were kind of starting to see the end is in sight. <laughs> and I was starting to feel, okay, God, I, I don't know what your plan was with any of this, but I feel like we're kind of coming to the end. <laughs> and I was really excited about that. The final transfer that we were able to do cost $4,500. It was exactly what we had left in our savings account. And so we said, okay, God, we're going to give it all back to you. We'll go back this one final time and we'll adopt one more set of embryos and then we're done. And that time when we went, they transferred two embryos to my body. And then there's a period of waiting where you wait to see if they will take or not. And when we went uh, to the first ultrasound, they found three 
babies, three healthy babies. And we were just absolutely shocked. And I know, and I'm fully aware (laughs) that for most people who would go into their first ultrasound and they would look up at a screen and find out the shocking news that they're expecting triplets, that that would be maybe scary, (laughs) maybe unwanted. Um, But for me and for Rob, for us, it was just such confirmation from God that this is what I had planned for you. This is what I had all along. This was my plan. This concludes the first half of our visit with Rob and Heidi Fuller. May we all be encouraged through their testimony to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who trust in him. Are you at a low point in life and struggling to see God's goodness? Are you wondering how you can encourage a friend who has faced tremendous loss? Be sure to join us next time in part two to hear Rob and Heidi Fuller answer these questions and more. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org. through
See 